Alrighty, hello again, everyone, and welcome to it. It is the Derek Hunter Podcast for the fourth day of March 2024. It's the day before Super Tuesday. It's a Monday. It's, you know, it's a pretty good Monday. It's not super, but, you know, I don't have to be a jerk about it. Anyway, welcome to the program. Don't forget to uh, spread the word, tell a friend, all that good stuff. Share on social media. And also the Week in F and Review, patreon.com slash Podcast or derekhunter.locals.com. Enter the contest, all that stuff. We'll announce the winner tomorrow, but uh, not today. So you're just going to have to wait. Now, let's get us going. There's, of course, a lot going on, a bunch of stuff happening, a bunch of stuff, uh, <sighs> crazy things out there. The insanity never stops. The corruption never stops. It's, uh, watching these people operate in Washington, D.C., and they operate the same way in, in whatever, anywhere else they have power, state capitals, city halls. But it's most evident... In Washington, D.C., because that's where the money is, that's where the money's printed, and that's where the media is. I mean, if you think national media is corrupt, you ain't seen nothing yet. Look at local media. They are, well, there's a reason. This is going to sound really horrible, but a lot of them in state capitals, they are either wet behind the ears when they just fell off the turnip truck, they don't know what they're doing, they're new to the job, and they are idealists, these reporters. They come in and go, oh, I'm going to really make a difference. I want to be the voice for the voiceless. And no, no, that's not your job. That's not. That's an activist job. That's what you're describing, going to activism. But they want to do that, or there are people who have been there for so long, they're entrenched, that they don't even have to leave their house. They don't have to leave their office. They just sit on their bulbous rear ends and go... And answer the phone and get emails and here's what's going on. And you become kind of a tool of a political party, whichever one happens to be in power in your state, where they send you, this is a scoop. And it's not really a scoop. It's information that the people giving out want reported in a specific way. And they recognize that this, the the standard bearer, the stalwart of the uh, press corps there, will do it. Without really much question, because they're just looking to get to the end of the day. They're just doing, going through the motions. Because uh, the people in the middle, when you're young, you go, oh, I'm going to start off in uh, the capital of, I'm going to start off in Fairbanks, Alaska. I'm going to start off at wherever. But I'm going to work my way to the national thing. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to get up there. I'm going to make it. I'm going to be the next Bob Woodward. Nobody ever aspires to be Carl Bernstein for many reasons, mostly because nobody wants to live under a bridge and be a troll, but that's beside the point. They sit there and they go, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to change the world. I'm going to be a beacon of truth, voice to the voiceless, power, speak truth to power, etc., etc. And then they're not around very long. They mostly you know, fail up. Liberals tend to fail up. And they do get out of there. The people who don't get out of there, who stick around long enough to become the deans of the press corps of Annapolis or of Albany or whatever, are revered 
rhetorically. Like, oh, he's been here forever. Nobody knows the city hall like or uh, the Capitol like so-and-so. But they hate it. They're lazy. They're bad. They, they're mad that they didn't get out. And so that's the world that they've created. And like, okay, there's not a lot of in-between. The young people who don't suck, who have energy, who, you know, they get recruited out. And the old people are just like, meh. So the corruption just continues. Every once in a while, something's accidentally exposed. But otherwise, it's, you know, game on per usual. And you get things like this. This is a, I don't even know what, I've never, next gov. I've never heard of nextgov.com. It's probably somehow taxpayer funded or some sort of internal garbage thing. And who knows? Maybe it's owned by Reuters. But this story, you want to talk about just casual corruption. Casual corruption that could only exist casually, right? It's out in the open. There's a freaking story about it with quotes from the vice president. So uh, there's no real consequence to this. There should be, but there isn't. So the Department of Health and Human Services is making voter registration access, uh, information accessible to those who enroll for health care through the Affordable Care Act's digital marketplace, following through on a commitment that some lawmakers have pressed for since 2022, Vice President Kamala Harris said during a roundtable with voting rights leaders on Tuesday. Voting rights leaders. The easiest thing in, in this country to do aside from becoming morbidly obese, laying on your couch and growing into the fabric of it, is registering to vote and voting. There comes a point where you do have to go, uh, how easy do we have to make it to vote? Shouldn't there be that question? How easy do we have to make it to vote? And you hear this mantra being beaten constantly from politicians, particularly on the left, but a lot of people on the right do. Oh, everybody must vote. It's your civic duty. It's not your civic duty. It's your civic opportunity. Right? It's your civic right. Do you have a right to vote? You don't have to do it. You can be disgusted by everybody and go, what the hell with it? I don't want to do it. Or I'm tired. Whatever. But they try and guilt you into voting. And for my money, if you don't want to vote, I don't. then don't. Don't. This is, and I, you know, living in Maryland, there's a better than average chance that the people who I'm sitting there going, I don't really care if you vote or not, um, are going to vote in a way that is counter to the way I'd wish them to vote. So I, I just don't care. And I also understand that, you know what, it's cold. It's it's whatever. It's a foregone conclusion. I live in Baltimore City. So what does it matter? I'm not going to get my way anyway. Okay, I understand that, too. But at a certain point, don't you have to say, how easy do we have to make it to vote? You get to, you go to get your driver's license. Would you like to register to vote? You go to the grocery store. Hey, register to vote. Hey, do this. Hey, do that. Hey, register to vote. Oh, you are getting health care through the uh, healthcare.gov. Here, register to vote. All these calories being burnt, trying to make it easier to register to vote and to vote. Not one single calorie being burnt by these very same people who are setting huge piles of our money on fire to do this. 
Not one single calorie being burnt to ensure the integrity of the vote. Isn't that weird? Isn't that bizarre? We've got to get everybody to vote. The right to vote is sacrosanct. But any attempt to ensure its integrity is some sort of hate crime. And how dare anybody try to do that? Anybody see a disconnect there? I mean, aside from the fact the federal government is using taxpayer money for and uh, a basically a welfare program, the subsidized welfare program through healthcare, to push voter registration. And let's face it, if you're suckling up to the government teat for anything, you are significantly more likely to vote Democrat. I just put it you're more likely going to vote Democrat. And so you watch this stuff and you go, that seems a little bit like an abuse of power. I ter- guarantee you if the if the any Republican administration had put forward a and I let's see the Pentagon the Pentagon were out. I've got some audio coming up of the Pentagon. That might not be the greatest example. But if you look at, uh, I'm trying to think of something that would be, count. there really isn't anything in government anymore that would be counter and naturally intuitive where you're sitting there going, this is going to be conservative. Well, I guess the closest thing would be the Pentagon. If you're just playing on old stereotypes, now that they've gone totally woke and trans, though, it's less likely. But if the Pentagon were out there saying, hey, we've got to register people to vote, anybody who comes into a recruiting office who even considers it, you got to first priority is, you know, meet them, greet them, get their name. But second thing, you throw down a voter registration form in front of them. You remind them of their civic duty. And the left would throw an absolute fit. They still get mad, even though, you know, by the end of the Biden term, half the generals in the Pentagon will be in drag. But they still get mad that, oh, my God, they're on a college. They're recruiting on a college campus. Can you believe this? This is an outrage. There's homopho- they, they have one playbook. It hasn't been updated in a while. But the left is perfectly willing to use government power. And, of course, Republicans are absolutely empty underweared when it comes to standing up to this, to being able to, they're empty headed when it comes to messaging. And it, I guess it doesn't matter if, because if they even had a message, they wouldn't know what to do with it. They wouldn't have the testicular fortitude to do anything with it. But Mark Elias, who is uh, one of the lead Democrats in voting issues, voting law, He's also one of the major architects of the 2016 Russian collusion hoax. So, you know, he's a Democrat in good standing. He's out there celebrating this. They've got a, quote, victory. It says, breaking federal court strikes down Arizona over suppression law that required proof of citizenship for voting in violation of federal law. Hey, there you go. He is uh, part of the democracy docket. Anything with democracy in the title, anything with uh, the people is always a rabid left-wing corrupt organization. But he is the founder of the democracy docket. And he's out there celebrating the, a win by them. They have this organization. It says, congratulations to the uh, team and our clients. Mi familia vota. 
and Voto Latino, two left-wing groups, race-based left-wing groups appealing to Hispanic. They, if you're Hispanic, these groups represent you in the eyes of the left. It doesn't matter if you look at them and recoil in horror. May my, I live here because my ancestors fled the garbage policies that these organizations are trying to imp, you know, impose here. doesn't matter. Just like Al Sharpton speaks for all black people, and any black people for whom Al Sharpton does not speak, they're just sellout Uncle Toms like Clarence Thomas and Thomas Sowell, and they don't matter, and they need to be shunned and ignored. <laughs> I'm not exaggerating that at all either. But yeah, Mi Familia Vota. Mi Familia Vota is a national organization working to build political power within Latino and immigrant communities through increased civic participation. Wait, Latino and immigrant. I thought that you know, being an immigrant wasn't necessarily meaning that, that. First of all, they might as well say illegal alien. But if you're a Hispanic or Latino or whatever the hell you happen to be calling, well, if you really worry about what you you're called, you're probably going to be a liberal Democrat. But isn't it interesting and telling that these people are like this is we're conflating the two. If you look at somebody who's Hispanic, and nobody does this, but if you do, you go, oh, uh, you must be an immigrant because you're Hispanic. The left would go, oh, my God, how dare you? You're horrible. You're a Klansman. You're a monster. But they can combine the two. They can combine the two in an organization because they really don't give a crap about the Latino vote. They care about indoctrinating the immigrants or the sweet, sweet, nourishing migrants, which they confuse with legal immigrants and illegal immigrants. They just go, oh, they're the same thing. They're not the same thing. And Voto Latino, we're a grassroots political organization focused on educating and empowering a new generation of Latino voters. Why? Why screw over black? Why don't you want to educate black people? Why do you look at white people and go, eh, I'm not interested in them? Why? Because the Democratic Party is obsessed with division. They sit there and they whine and they piss and they moan and they go, oh, those Republicans, all they want to do is divide us. And you go to an event for a progressive organization and you can walk down the exhibit hall and see every configuration of human beings segregated into their own booths, right? There is no, we don't give a crap booth. We're like, I don't care where you're from. We're just left-wing radicals. Nope. It is, we are the black Democrats. We are the Hispanic Democrats. We're the white Democrats, sorry, booth. You know, that seems a little bit segregation-y, doesn't it? Seems a little bit segregationy to me. So they have all these, just like, by the way, they have all of these same breakdowns in news. There is NBC News Black. There's NBC News Hispanic. You probably didn't realize that news had a race, but it also has a sexual orientation because there's NBC News, NBC Pride, I think it is. Pride. There's no NBC dignity, but there's NBC pride. Oh, yes, pride. And it's the Democrats who insist that it's Republicans who are trying to divide us. How dare they? What's terrifying isn't that the left does this sort of thing or that they celebrate the... Because you're sitting there going, all right, there's no proof of citizenship for voting. You're celebrating. Celebrating. 
making it easier for illegal aliens and non-citizens to vote. What kind of monster does that? Well, a fascistic monster who doesn't really care about Americans. They view Americans as a hindrance, as an obstacle. We might not vote the way that they like, so we need to get new voters. But uh, they do the same thing across the country with voter ID laws. It's not just proof of citizenship. It is proof of who you are. Proof of who you are. Not very hard. I can prove who I am. You could probably prove who you are. But for some reason, the left is under the belief that black people can't. That black people are incapable of reading. I'm, I'm doing this right now while talking to you. I just put my hand in my pocket. I don't have anything in my pocket right now to pull out. But if there was something in my, if my wallet were in my pocket, I could easily pull it out. And whilst talking to you, I could pull out my driver's license. It's just that easy. You do not have to be an ambidextrous multitasker in order to do that while at the same time doing other things. Yet for some reason, white progressives, always white progressives, Sit there and say, well, there's no way a black person can do that. Black people do not have IDs. Black people do not. What if somebody goes, this is a way to disenfranchise black people. It's always black. Nobody ever says Hispanics can't do it. Asians. There's no way an Asian could do I've never heard anybody say that. It's always black people. Well, let's just pretend that this is a real problem. For whom is it a problem? If you had to put a number on it, how big would that number be, the number of human beings in this country in 2024 who are unable, incapable of obtaining a photo ID? What would you put that number at? I bet you if you went to downtown Washington, D.C., downtown Baltimore, downtown New York, downtown wherever the nearest downtown is to you, you're going to find some homeless people. You're going to find some homeless people sitting on the street. You're going to find some homeless people sleeping on the street. You're going to find a nice refrigerator box with a tarp thrown over. You're going to probably see a bunch of them together. They tend to congregate. And uh, if you went up to, I wouldn't even say you have to go up to somebody who's awake. You could go up to somebody who's not awake. You could go up to somebody who is, you know, it is, 2.30 in the afternoon on a bright sunny day and they've already scored enough begging money that they're set for heroin for the day and they are out cold or in a stupor. I bet they have a photo ID. I would bet they have a photo ID. But if they didn't, I would posit they have bigger issues than not having a photo ID. That you might want to, if you cared at all about human beings, which I don't believe Democrats do, but if you did, your bigger priority is probably the heroin stupor that you're in, rather than your inability to open a checking account, because you probably don't have a lot of money to be putting into a checking account to begin with. So if you really wanted to help that person, you would first get them off the junk and then get them off the streets and then get them a photo ID. But as far as non-junkie populations go, you got a baker's dozen, maybe two people in the country who don't have and can't get themselves a photo ID. And if 
allow me to speculate a little further, just for fun, for uh, gits and shiggles, as they say, as the kids say. If you are eh, 60 years old and you don't have a photo ID, you've never bothered, you just it's a bridge too far, whatever, voting probably isn't the top priority in your life. I'm going to say that your participation, your civic participation is pretty low if you haven't bothered to get a photo ID. But Democrats will tell you we must disrupt the entire system. We must risk the integrity of the vote nationwide. We have to, to appease 26 people, tops. And they will spend hundreds of thousands, if not millions upon millions of dollars in legal fees, in court battles, in PR battles, to make it so no one is face ever faces the indignity of having to reach into their pocket and pull out. Because, you know, a lot of times driver's license photos are really just not good pictures. Nobody should face that indignity. Democrats care so deeply about that. Either that or something else is going on. Could it be that something else is going on? Because, yeah, I would think that something else is going on because people who are heartless, soulless, corrupt, and frankly evil in just about every other aspect of their politics would not have this one blaring spot of magnanimity. I just don't think that that would be the case. Call me crazy, call me old-fashioned, but I don't believe that to be the case. So as you watch these people use the government for their own corruption, this is back to the story about the government and healthcare. Harris told the convened leaders, as leader, they're all left-wingers. It's always activist groups. They always convene. We're having a seminar. We're having a summit. We're having a this. The summit is, at least when I was a kid, it was when the United States got together with Russia. I don't actually know. There were meetings and other things with allies, but it was always when you're with an enemy that it's a summit. They don't even they don't even consider like meeting with China a summit anymore. It's just bilateral meetings. But it was with the Soviet Union. Boy, they're having a summit now. They call everything a summit. We're getting a when you all agree in the room, it's not really a summit, right? We're really going to work hard towards our unified goal. What do you need to get together for? Just like all these climate change things. I guess they do call some of those things summits. But again, what do you need to all fly private over there so we can agree with each other? What is the carbon footprint of everybody nodding in unison? Does anybody ever study that? Anyway, Harris told the convened leaders that HHS, quote, will start emailing information on how to register to vote to everyone who enrolls in the ACA, end quote, and said that the the first email was actually sent last Friday. Quote, and last year we had 21 million enrolled for coverage, so we're talking about a significant number of people, end quote. And then she probably cackled. Is that really who we need registering to vote? First of all, how many do you think aren't registered to vote. There aren't that many people who aren't registered to vote. Getting people registered isn't really the problem. It's getting people to bother to show up, right? You give a choice between here's a turd sandwich and a turd sandwich, and you go, I don't... Well, the different. this one's a whole grain bun. This one is uh, 
wheat, honey wheat or something. That that's the difference. You just go, I don't people are not interested. If you have it's not hard to vote. Granted it's easier to not vote, but it's not hard to vote. People just don't want to vote. How about you inspire somebody to vote if you really want people to vote? But what they really want, what Democrats desperately need, isn't people to, they need people to register to vote. They don't need them to show up to vote. If you look at voter fraud, we're always told that never happens. Never happens. Never, ever, never happens. You Republicans are chasing unicorns. Nobody, there's no vote, voter fraud. And then it goes, and you point out and you say, hey, well, here's a bunch of voter fraud. And they say, but that's so minor and it's so insignificant and it's so small. Like, wait a second. It just didn't. If, if, if uh, somebody's going around saying unicorns don't exist. And then out of the garage, somebody parades like five, six unicorns. The argument is, oh, my God, unicorns exist. That's the only real response, right? But instead they go, yeah, but there aren't that many unicorns. Well, you just said no unicorns exist. I've given you unicorns. And you're going, yeah, but not many of them. Well, they exist is the argument. That they exist is amazing. That voter fraud exists is the problem, right? It's not... At scale, like, well, you know, there's there's nobody going, we're going to accept 5% bank robberies, 5% identity theft. We're just we're going to try and keep the numbers as low as possible, but we're not going to really go after it because that would be a pain in the butt. So we're just going to accept a certain amount of embezzlement from the company or a certain amount of bank robbery or a certain amount of spousal abuse or whatever. You know, nobody goes, yeah, okay, well... That sounds good. Spousal abuse is well down. So let's all congratulate ourselves. Now, I think most people would go, that. well, there shouldn't be any. There shouldn't be any spousal abuse. So maybe we could, I don't know, do something to try and eliminate it. You don't go, you know, there were only, only 10 women beaten to death by their husbands last year in this town. So uh, what day shall we schedule the parade? Wait a second, that doesn't. That doesn't make any sense. That doesn't sound really good. Any voter fraud should be problematic to people because, again, if the right to vote is so sacrosanct, then should it not be protected? The bare minimum, proving who you are. They don't really care. See, because if you get them registered to vote, that's half the battle. You don't want them to show up. They might not vote the way you want them to vote. And the people with the lowest turnouts, well, in heavily Democrat districts, meaning low-income districts, and in minority districts, what do they do? The Democrats send out little vans, and they'll drive anybody to the poll. They know if you're a committed Democrat or you've been counted on before, they knew that they, they will drive you. They'll give you a piggyback ride to the polls if it's close enough. They will just get your ass to the polls. They don't really care. But if you're new or you don't really want to show up, that's okay, too. Because if after, like, this is why they get so upset about voter purges, voter roll purges. It sounds, oh, my God, what do they do? They send out everybody with no rules at all. You can just beat the hell out of any. No, not that kind of purge. Not Stalinesque purge. It is this person hasn't voted in 10 years. 
maybe they moved. Or these people are registered in two or three or more cities in the state because over the course of the last 20 years they've moved. And while technically you're kind of supposed to let the state know and let the voter registration people know so they can, so you know, they don't because nobody thinks about it. Why would anybody, most people forget to change their address. <laughs> so voter registration is well down low on there. There's register wherever they're, they're at now and they forget to uh, let anybody know that they moved. That allows people, and you hear it all the time, people have voted in two different locations, three different locations. Somebody moved to New York from Florida, and they voted in both locations. Now, sometimes that is somebody going, you know what? They mailed me the ballot. Why the hell not? They're wildly ignorant. They don't understand what it means or whatever it is. But sometimes it's, we know these people don't live here anymore. They're still registered to vote. So there's no threat in us voting on their behalf. And what do I mean? No threat. If anybody's ever shown up to vote, whether they have voter ID in their state or not, they ask you your name, they ask you your address, they have a list of names or an iPad full of names, and they go through and they check your box. All right, you're here. Now, there are a lot of people, a lot of reports every single year where somebody goes, yeah, I'm here, I'm Bob Johnson, uh, 123 Main Street. All right, uh, it says you've already voted. What do you mean it says I've already voted? Yeah, now maybe the person touched the wrong thing on the touch screen or whatever, or maybe Bob Johnson hasn't voted for three or four election cycles, and he just decided, you know what, this is the year. I can't stand Joe Biden. I'm going to go vote. Well, if you're going to commit voter fraud, it's one thing to just make people up. You can't make people up. It's kind of tough. You see that they run out of names. You, if you try and write fiction, you come up with, you know, 15 characters in this book, come up with 15 names that aren't based on people you know, that don't sound stupid. It's tough to do. So they end up with voter registration for Mickey Mouse, Pluto, things like that. Bugs Bunny. Well, obviously, those aren't going to fly, although some of them do get on the, <laughs> the rolls. So if you're looking, you can't just go and steal a whole bunch of ballots. Except for if they're mailed out to people, which is another issue. I'm talking about old-fashioned voter fraud. What you can do is go through the rolls, since the records are public, and find out who voted and who didn't vote. And if somebody didn't vote for the past three or four election cycles, there's a pretty good chance that they're not going to show up this time. It's a pattern. Maybe they're dead. Maybe they moved. Maybe they just decided to go off the grid and now live in a burlap sack in the mountains of Montana, whatever it is. There's very little chance of that person showing up to vote so you can vote for them. Not sitting there as a poll worker corruptly voting all day long, but if you are, say, unscrupulous, it doesn't take a whole lot. Remember, you only have to win by one vote. Let's say you get a busload of 10 people. You're paying them. They're homeless people or they're committed to the cause or whatever. And you put them in a van, full-size van, conversion van. You're rocking some tunes and you're going from polling place to polling place and you have a list for everybody to remember at this polling place, this is your name, this is your address. Remember it. Go on in. They're not going to ask you for photo ID. 
And you go in there, and you say, my name is Bob Johnson. I live at uh, 1234 Main Street. You go, oh, okay, great. And you go and vote. That's it. What's your date of birth? Well, they have that information, too. It's all public. Then you roll to the next polling place, and suddenly you become Dave Hodges, and you live at 456 Main Street. And it's just that easy. Now, if you get five, ten people, you go to... 30 different precincts you've just created a whole bunch of ballots now the odds of anybody showing up if you do it right if you go through the data right and you look and see this person isn't going to vote pretty high that you're going to get away with that you always hear about dead people voting this person passed away how is it they managed to vote this is how they managed to vote this is how they managed to vote. A photo ID would prevent that. Not completely. If you're really committed, you could plan ahead. You could create fake IDs. But that weird scanny code on the back, if you had to scan that to say, I'm really me, then it'd be tougher to fake. Because it says, all right, thank you, Mr. Johnson. You're looking, about, you're looking pretty good for a guy who passed away last June, right? There are ways to ensure the integrity of the vote. Democrats oppose every single one of them. It's not just voter ID. It is purging of the voter rolls. Part of the reason that Stacey Abrams <clears throat> complained and claimed that she'd actually won the governor's race in 2018 in Georgia but was robbed was that 50,000 names had been purged from the voter rolls in the state of Georgia. 50,000 names. And uh, she said they were mostly minority. It is a really stupid and racist argument, but it was over 50. Now, she lost by 55,000 votes. So it's kind of funny. Like if, I, if she had gotten 100% of the votes of the people that she claimed were somehow erroneously purged from the voter rolls, she still would have lost by 5,000 votes. But that never stopped her, never came up in an MSNBC interview, nothing. They just said, oh, yeah, of course she is. Here's Jabba from the palace, nice frozen carbonite Han Solo there on the wall. And yes, you uh, are the victim of racism. And that's the kind of voter fraud. They said, voter fraud is... And it, well, they don't call it voter fraud. They call it voter suppression. If you haven't voted in five election cycles or you died or you moved and they go, huh, maybe we should just for the sake of integrity. Because if you didn't move and you didn't die, it's pretty easy to prove that you did not move and did not die and to re-register to vote. And I'd, I'd be in favor of same-day voter registration under that circumstance. Hey, I didn't die and I didn't move. I just haven't voted for 10 years. But uh, here's my photo ID. Reinstate me. That'd be fine. That's not what Democrats want. They will call racist anything that goes against their will. But, yeah, back to Jabba down in Georgia. She's very upset that... Uh, she lost by 55,000 votes because of a purge of the voter rolls. Now, you can't cite 50,000 people that she's upset on behalf of talking about how they went to vote 
and were denied the ability to vote, right? You, know, you can't find – now, the state didn't just go, eh, they're gone. They let people know. They gave people a chance. Hey, do you still exist? Do you still live here? And if you didn't open the envelope, you didn't come back, at some point, don't we have to have responsibility? And that's really what it boils down to. It is up to the individuals who are responsible. To protect the integrity of the vote, you do have to go through and clean up the voter rolls every once in a while, if you're at all, in fact, interested in protecting the integrity of the vote. It seems as though our friends on the left are not. And if you begin to notice that they're not at all remotely interested in literally the bare necessities, the basics, the, the, the least you could do. This is beyond the least you could do. If you're not at all interested in that to protect the integrity of the vote, then you kind of got to ask why. And once you ask why, boy, howdy, that opens up a whole new can of worms, doesn't it? A whole new can of worms that they honestly aren't prepared to answer. That's why even asking the question is considered horribly racist. Like I say, the Democrats are are evil. They're not stupid. At least not the leadership. Rank and file is another story for another day. Putting aside the voter fraud and the just seemingly illegality of using the federal government to register voters. I mean, that should, should bother somebody. You'd think somebody in the media would go, that doesn't seem right, but that's not how it works. It's Democrats doing it or Democrats benefit from it. They will defend it to the hilt. They don't give a damn. You think these people are honest? Good Lord. Holy Frank Tanana. You have much to learn, young Padawan. By the way, I just saw a story. This is kind of funny. It's a long report, and I'm not going to play the three-minute audio because it's a local news story. Just to illustrate, though, how it is. The liberal hierarchy of victimhood, the food the food pyramid over there, the, the, the um, food chain, the top of the food chain. We as human beings sit on top of that. Well, within human beings. The Democrats have introduced a more another level of hierarchy of who they give a damn about. So there's a story out of Loudoun County, Virginia. It says members of Loudoun County's Muslim and Hindu communities. I think Democrats love segregation. It can't just be, you know, parents are pissed. It's members of this group and that group. Hmm. Uh, Muslim and Hindu communities showed up to Loudoun County School Board meeting demanding the school board stop allowing students to use the bathrooms and locker rooms based on gender identity. <laughs> this is from WJLA-TV, the ABC affiliate in Washington, D.C., Washington, Virginia, and Maryland. And you got to love it, the gender identity. They always The media is always a good, dutiful slave really let's just call it what it is gender affirming you notice gen google five years ago you can go back you can set parameters and, and searches try and find the term gender affirming care the phrase gender affirming care used before like 20 minutes ago never never was used but somebody goes hey gender affirming care and why why do you want to call it gender affirming care well, because genital mutilation of children is a little too on the nose. And our focus groups show that normal adults 
don't like the idea of mutilating the genitals of children. You know, 30% roughly correlates with the registration of Democrats in any given area. Do seem to really enjoy the idea of genital mutilation of children, but the rest of the country doesn't. So we've got to find a new way. Oh, I got it. Gender affirming care. That's great. It's gender. Everybody wants affirmation. That'll do it. Just that that affirmation comes through the surgical removal of body parts of children. It's, it's beside the point. You pump them, you take off chunks of their body, and you pump them full of hormones for the rest of their lives, just the way nature intended. Right? Let's do that. It's just so gross. But the, the gender affirming care and the based on gender identity, which was not a concept again five years ago. But the left decided it needed it. Another cudgel. The crying racism at everything just didn't work anymore. It just didn't. Kind of got sick of it. We're all like, yeah, 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 right. Okay, Al. Racist, racist, right. We get it. It's horribly, horribly racist. I can't help but make notice you making bank runs. Depositing a lot of big checks over there, Al. Well, everything's racist, racist. If only I was as oppressed as you. No, oh, by the way, maybe you want to use some of that extortion money, or I mean uh, legitimately earned money for uh, sensitivity consulting. I might want to use some of that to pay your taxes, bro. Just just throwing it out there. Just an idea. I know, I know. I'm crazy. Just spitballing ideas. Sorry about that. But you look at it and you go, this is, this, this is so weird. The language was changed right in front of everybody. And you kind of start off going, this is so ridiculous ridiculous nobody's gonna believe this crap this is dumb and the next thing you know your local school board is saying you know what uh, the boy should be in the girls locker room because he tucks it back really far and swears that he's a girl forget the fact that he's you know really enjoying that shower it is just wrong to deny somebody's gender identity and they're gender fluid uh all throughout the week I identify as captain of the football team, except for third period gym class where I feel pretty and I need to uh, shower with my captain of the cheerleading squad girlfriend and a couple of her friends. It's all good, right? This is legit, totally. The left has set up an idea where you can't deny that. Now, it's funny is this, this story, there are parents from the Muslim and Hindu communities who are going, I, it's wildly offensive to us culturally because we're no longer a melting pot. The left turned us into a series of chafing dishes through their segregated policies. It, it uh, offends us culturally, which the left doesn't really have an argument against. They can't say, no, you know, that's not. Your Hindu culture is wrong. Can't say that because everybody who would say that is like a wealthy white person. So they're kind of screwed on that one. Uh, and it culturally and religiously. And that one goes, well, we don't, we don't really care about that. See, we don't care about that one. There's a wall of separation, which doesn't exist in the Constitution, between church and state. Like, yeah, okay, so you took, you took a letter that Jefferson wrote and, said, and somehow made that political doctrine. The wall of separation between church and state. Constitution doesn't say that you can't acknowledge religion or that you shouldn't acknowledge a religion. It says the state can't establish a religion. All right. 
That's the difference. But no, they go, no, 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 the government must be atheist. It can't be any religion whatsoever. Now let us all take a moment to pray to Gaia that we are forgiven for driving SUVs here to this meeting tonight because my Tesla's in the shop. (laughs) These people are hypocrites. But the Muslim and Hindu communities, they would normally be a cudgel used by the left. There's a hate hate crimes against the... We need to guard... It's always mythical hate crimes. We need to guard against these hate crimes that might come up. It's a great Norm MacDonald joke. I hope ISIS doesn't attack the United States because uh, the blowback against the Muslim community would be terrible if they killed a bunch of people or something. I I just butchered it, but you get the idea. We're living in that now. We're living in a Norm MacDonald joke where the immediate thing is, well, we've got the, the statement of condolence isn't a statement of condolence. And it used to go horrible attack, but let's not take it out on people who look like the people who did it. It was bad enough because that just showed that they assumed that immediately there's a whole bunch of Americans who go, let's go beat them up, boys. Let's go find anybody with at least a deep tan. All right. And we'll just beat them up. But now that's the gist of the statement. This horrible tragedy. Enough about that. Stop going out and committing hate crimes. I know what you're doing. You're packing up the pickup truck right now, rounding up the boys and about to go out and commit hate crimes. Don't do it. And we need to guard against that. And that's the real problem. The real problem is that. Huh. Can you cite any examples of that? No, we can't. But that's because we're so proactive about preventing that. Hmm. That's weird because the last thing I knew, the FBI was really involved in undercover investigation sting-wise was the Gretchen Whitmer kidnapping plot, which it turned out the FBI sort of inspired. You know, when there are more confidential informants on the team, when they're leading the team, (laughs) maybe, maybe you got an institutional problem. Maybe you have a perverted worldview. But anyway, back to the Muslim and Hindu communities. They are about to, see, under normal circumstances, if they were to raise their voices at government and say they're thinking about putting a christian church in this neighborhood and that's going to be the powers that be in loudon county maryland would go well that's a good point maybe we should think about rezoning this and wouldn't it be better if you found a place for your church that was better suited to it that didn't offend members of the community we can give you a nice seat in the back of the bus sort of thing that's how democrats work And that, I imagine, is how left-wing activist members of the Muslim and Hindu communities operate under, the the assumption they operate under. But now they show up to a school board thing expecting to get their way. We need these holidays off, and we need this. You give us Christmas off, we've got to have Diwali off. We've got to have this, that. Okay, great. Diwali is, I don't know what Diwali is, but it's, it's in my calendar because Apple decided that I need to know what Diwali is. I need, I need, just in case I forgot to get my Diwali presents or whatever you do. Nothing against Diwali, but like, why is that on my calendar? Don't put anything on my calendar. All right. I'll know when the holidays I celebrate are coming up. But Diwali's and there's a whole bunch of uh, the El Fatar dinner or something like what, what is this? I don't know, but you can't delete it. You can't delete it. You want to get rid of that, you got to delete Christmas. Like, okay, that doesn't seem right. Why? 
okay, I delete them all, and then I just put things back in there that are that matter to me. But they showed up expecting to have their grievances aired. They're used to getting their way, the left-wing activists. But they're about to learn that there is a hierarchy of victimhood, the food pyramid of victimhood on the left. And right now, sitting on top of it, is the alphabet mafia. So you don't want, and even the you know most progressive, in quotes, Muslims and Hindus who are actually practicers of Islam or Hindi are, will be uncomfortable with the idea, particularly of their daughters, being forced to shower with boys. And I'm not sure that that's necessarily a two-way street, but that's beside as long as the girls aren't members of that community. I'm not really sure that matters, but it is also a bit of sexism in there. But the idea of their daughters disrobing with boys in the room is worrisome, as it would be for anybody. But they are going to learn that after years of driving the car, they are now not even in the back seat. They're on the roof rack relative to where the alphabet mafia is. And it's not just the alphabet mafia. It's really one letter in the alphabet mafia, the T. The T, which is ironically an enemy of most of the members of the T, testosterone is the enemy, um, they control everything. They get their way everywhere. They I mean, they honestly had an entire political party filled with adults who unambiguously knew what a woman was just a few years ago, now going, I couldn't possibly tell you. I don't know. A woman? Could you... Could you spell that? Could you use it in a sentence? Now it doesn't sound for me. It's like the the brain-damaged spelling bee questions from these people. Woman could be anything. Could be any. Is that, are, am I sitting on a woman right now? Or what, is, what do you call this? Is it, this is a chair? So then the thing that it's under is a, is a woman. No, this is a desk. I don't, I don't get it. I don't get it. Yet when it comes to abortion... And when it comes to their personal dating proclivities, they're all gynecologists and experts in it. But in everything else, like, hey, what, a, what, a, what is a woman? Who's to say what a woman is? So the members of the Muslim and Hindu communities in Loudoun County, Virginia, are about to get a rude awakening. And this is going to be, if this plays out, it will barely be covered locally, and it definitely won't be covered nationally outside of Fox and Newsmax. But if this plays out the way it rationally should, this will be as damaging to the Democrats as the president's thus far refusal to be calling for the elimination of the state of Israel, for example. If Republicans are able to message this, if Republicans are able to go and point this crap out, this makes people angry. You start messing with their kids. Uh, the, the idea of parents mutilating the genitals of their children irritates people, but it's not their kids, right? You see the difference? It's disgusting. I hear about that. I think you're a horrible parent. I want nothing to do with you. You're disgusting, etc., etc. But you're not involving my kids. You take it to that next level and you say, all right, now your girls have to shower with boys. Then it becomes 
problematic. Then it becomes evil. Then it becomes something that even though you agree with somebody else, you you bring it home to the kid level. Look, there are lots of issues. And uh, if it's not the issue that moves your vote, it doesn't really matter. There are a lot of people who are pro-life or pro-choice, but they don't vote based on it. They vote based on something else. Most people have one or two things that they really vote on. And everything else they have opinions on. They have preferences for, but their vote is motivated by one. This is something that could override whatever it was they used to vote for. Not necessarily to vote for the other side, but to sort of recoil and disgust, at least cause hesitancy, pause, to vote the way they normally would. Not saying they're all going to become Republicans, but they might stay at home. They might leave certain parts of the ballot empty. As every year, if you look at the vote totals, there's not a straight nine, one million people showed up to vote. And then you go, all right, well, this for the top of the ticket, they only got 950,000 votes. For Senate, they got one million votes. For city council, they got uh, 800,000. What the hell's going on? People look down it. They don't know who these people are, so they don't feel comfortable voting for anybody, or they just don't like the options and they don't do it. That might be the best that Republicans can hope for in a lot of these things, and they can play for it. They can help that along if they're smart by using things like what's going on in Loudoun County there and run smart, articulate, 100% accurate to the point, letting other people do the speaking for them ads on the issue. Unfortunately, when it comes to messaging, Republicans are none of those things. So I don't have a lot of faith, but there is just a little bit of hope out there. We shall see. So as I'm telling you about the what the Muslim and Hindu parents and Loudoun County are about to face. I want to tell you what everybody's about to face and what is going on with our military because we're sitting there, we're told we need to spend money on the military, we need to spend money in Ukraine, we need to do this, we need to do that, we need to do the... We, well, the people who are telling you that are overseeing the essentially the destruction of our military. Not because they're gay people or trans people in the military, but because part of what the military is is supposed to strip you of all of that crap. Not to deny you whatever the hell you want in your own time. But you have a job to do. You are a cog in the machine. And if you think of yourself as other, you're supposed to worry about, oh, my, uh, I am very concerned and want to make sure. Part of why people, you sit there and you go, why didn't they charge up that hill? It was obvious that they're going to, it's like hell up that hill. Who would charge up that hill? It's because of the training and conditioning and the bonding that happens between members of the military. They do not, will not, and fear more than death, really, letting down their fellow uh, soldiers. But if you then introduce the cancerous progressive mindset of segregation into it, changes the dynamic just like i always told you they they bastardize the word community community used to mean your neighborhood the area in which you lived i lived in fear of my community growing up not the white guy community but the neighborhood people 
Me and my friends, we'd find firecrackers or buy firecrackers or play with matches, whatever we did. Any any former boy out there knows exactly what you did. You know, whether or not you got away with it or you didn't or you got in trouble for it, whatever the case was. And if you got caught, you probably got caught because somebody in the community saw you doing it. You find... We hunted down, we knew the areas where we could go or we were going to try and burn Star Wars guys or strap firecrackers to a G.I. Joe. We knew where to go to have the best chance of not getting caught by somebody in the neighborhood, in the community. The words were interchangeable. Because if somebody saw it, they'd call one of our parents and then the whole you know conga line, dominoes falling and everybody's parents would find out and you were screwed. The left looked at that and said, we need to disrupt that. People, there's too much getting along. What we really need to do is change community to things that are irrelevant. Let's say somebody who shares your skin color. They don't have to live near you. They just have to look like you. Identify with them. It's more important you identify with them than your neighbor. Somebody shares your sexual peccadilloes and proclivities. It's more important you identify with them than the people in your immediate surroundings. So they want you, if you're gay, say, to care more about something that happened to somebody who's also gay on the other side of the country than somebody who than what happened to somebody who's straight who might live down the block from you. One actually directly impacts your life, but the other directly impacts your community. And as a member of the community, and community this, and community, community is such a nice-sounding word. It's such a, oh, who doesn't want to be a part of a community? But that's not how they mean it. They've bastardized it to be a weapon now, an indirect weapon, but a weapon nonetheless. Like I say, they're evil, not stupid. So you can have parents in Loudoun County going, we don't like what they're doing to our children as members of the community. Well, it doesn't matter which community are you. Say there's a hierarchy of communities. As a Muslim, as a Hindu, should you come and complain about something that straight white people are doing? Well, it doesn't matter what it is. Your concerns are valid and we will address them to death, but against a different community. Well, we have to take the slide rule out and see which community ranks higher than the other communities. And it turns out that sitting atop the community flowchart is the Alphabet Mafia, the LGBTQRSTUVWXYZ community. But it's not really them, because my gay friends recoil at what now passes for the alphabet mafia community. They do. Because you know, equality has been achieved, really. Nobody cares. There's nobody going, oh my God, maybe you're upset or worried about coming out in particular, an individual, but society isn't going to shun you. Go back and look at... It wasn't that, it was like, what is it, 1992, something like that? Go back and watch the movie Philadelphia. Not the whole movie, because you don't need to watch the whole movie. The whole movie is boring, long, and depressing, which is why it won an Oscar. But watch, I don't know, the first 20 minutes of it, the first 10 minutes of it. See the attitude 
of the heroic Denzel Washington character towards the gay dying of AIDS Tom Hanks character who got fired because he's got AIDS. I can't remember if he was fired because he had AIDS or if he was fired because he was gay. But whatever it was, he was fired. And you you look at that and you go, my God, this is a foreign world. Now, most of us lived in that time. But if you look at the, the, the world that the movie shows, you're like, holy cow, what a horrible, they're saying things and doing, none of this is acceptable. None of it is remotely close to acceptable now. And yet there it is in an Oscar-winning movie. And you go, yeah, wow, things have really changed. Things have really, really changed in the 30 years or whatever since that movie came out. Dramatically. So uh, to sit there, and this is the problem with unions, this is the problem with a lot of these organizations, is they do. Human beings are imperfect. But we're striving towards perfection. This government was founded in order to form a more perfect union. The more perfect part is a recognition of that we were not perfect. We're getting closer to perfect. We're striving for perfection, but we as a species will never achieve it. Oh, yeah, Nadia Comaneci will pull a 10 or uh, Mary Lou Retton will pull a 10 in gymnastics. Every once in a while, somebody will achieve it in one particular aspect of their lives, but uh, that's not their life. It's not human nature to be perfect. Perfection is not in us. Striving for it is. But I would say that we've come a long way, baby, and not just in a Virginia Slims kind of way, but in a general kind of way. But to acknowledge that would be to strip power from these organizations because their power is derived from victimhood. And if people are not victims anymore or not the victims they portrayed themselves as or they were portrayed as, then things start to change. Things start. It makes it a little more difficult to demand special attention, to demand whatever. So they don't acknowledge advancements. They don't acknowledge victories. They can't. They can't. So you end up with the uh, military. This is, you know, it used to be, well, the military is above this sort of stuff. No. The left wants to destroy everything, and everything includes the military. They loathe the military, which makes the destruction of it all the more necessary and important and joyful for them. So I saw this. It's the lit fact sheet. A lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer, or questioning LGBTQ initiatives team. That's weird. They go with the L and then they skip all the rest of the letters. Initiatives team. So they're lit. And it's got a little uh, rainbow torch and a rainbow flight. It's got their own little logo. It's quite the thing to behold, honestly. Disturbing, but quite the thing to behold. You're going, my God. And right on the other side is the Department of the Air Force. So it would seem as though this is sanctioned at a minimum by the. the military, right? It seems as though it's sanctioned. Whether it is or not, I don't know, but I don't believe that they have objected to this, so I don't think that uh, they care all that much. You have a circumstance here. This is the Department of Air Force Barrier Analysis Working Group. 
You probably didn't know there were a lot of barriers in the Air Force. It's from July 2022, right in the heart of the Biden administration. Their vision, quote, to be the light that illuminates the path forward, uh, the path toward change, acceptance, and equality for all who came before us and those who will come after us. I don't know how you, well, you rewrite history for the ones who came before you. And all who came after you is you just be an obnoxious D-bag. But you love that. We want to be the path toward change, acceptance, and equality. Where where are those things not in effect? Where where are those not in effect? I, I I'm genuinely curious to know. I would like to know where the where does oppression still live? Where is horrible, horrible bigotry and homophobia? Where does it still live in any meaningful? Well, yeah, you could find one guy here, one guy there usually in a fit of drunken rage and a fight that had nothing to do with sexuality, but they just said a word because they were mad. But that'll be, you know, plastered on posters and cause people to go to the streets over it. Not illegal aliens murdering somebody, but somebody said a word once to somebody who was offended. To an activist, always to an activist. It's weird how these things happen to activists all the time. And you go down there, the, the lines of effort, they want education and awareness, data and research, medical policies, and transgender policies. I'd be willing to bet that the medical and transgender policies could be merged, right? Because not a lot of uh, people who are comfortable in their own skin, mentally stable, needing medical procedures that are specific to them or their sexual orientation. But that's beside the point. And then they got their list of champions there. There's uh, one major general and two people who are Mr. and Miss. And then there's uh, the purpose. The purpose to review and analyze guidelines, programs, data, and other information for barriers to employment advancement and retention of LGBTQ employees and applicants and military members. It will also serve as a member and employee resource group for LGBTQ plus civilian employees and military members. And then there's the longest email I've ever seen in my life. saf.di underscore d-a-f-b-a-w-g dot l-i-t underscore workflow at us.af.mil. My good Lord, who wants to send that out there? And you go, this is weird. Why are they doing this? This was all discovered, by the way, by Spencer Lundquist, who is a reporter for the Daily Wire. And in the course of this, he's got a big write-up of it. I, I recommend you go and see it and go and read it. But it, uh, in the course of it, he finds this Lieutenant Colonel Bree Pham, who's a guy... You can tell by the voice. If you were, I don't know, doing a stage play of Some Like It Hot and you were playing the Jack Lemon role, this is the voice that you would this is the voice that you would come up with. But he's got long hair, ponytail, earrings, big pearl earrings. The pearls aren't quite as big as his Adam's apple, but you know, that's the only analogy I can make because he's standing behind a podium. Speaking to a room of people, lecturing people about the need for intentional inclusivity and all sorts of other things that have to have our enemies laughing their asses off. Let's just be honest. That's what's going on here. 
I want you to listen to, uh, what is it, Lieutenant Colonel Brief. This is probably going to be the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff in the Biden second term, if uh, Biden gets there. Lieutenant Colonel Briefam, I don't know what Briefam's real name is, but Briefam talking about military inclusion. All too often, I hear leaders talk about providing everyone with dignity and respect like it's an aspirational goal. That's not good enough. Dignity and respect is the bare minimum. It's the floor of where we can be. We must set our sights higher and focus on intentional inclusivity because there are still far too many people out there, not just LGBTQ individuals, that feel marginalized, shut out, or discriminated against. So for all of you out there, I ask you to set out your symbols of pride, share your pronouns in your email, particularly if you're a person who doesn't think they need to, initiate difficult conversations about racial and gender barriers, and share a bit of a vo your vulnerability in a way that draws others in. You all have the power to take intentionally inclusive actions to ensure the multiple perspectives that we know make us stronger as we devise winning warfighting strategies get heard. My pronouns are F and U. Yeah, I want to include that. Include it in your, your emails, even if you don't need to. Participate in our delusion and complete and total rape of the culture, the language, and reality. You must protect us. Why? Where are you oppressed? People have made jokes at our expense. And welcome to the club. Actually, that's a sign that people are treating you like they treat everybody. No, you don't understand. These are hurtful jokes. No, you don't understand life. It's a lot of hurtful jokes normal grow the hell up you're an adult male wearing a dress wearing pearl earrings insisting that what is not what is impossible in fact is in you it makes you feel special that you are able to defy what is impossible in nature literally and unambiguously impossible because you need to feel special because of whatever your reason is. I don't know what your trauma is. You want to tell me your name is Bree? I'll call you Bree. But that's only when I'm forced to interact with you. Otherwise, I'm not going to interact with you because I don't want to go to crazy town. I didn't move to crazy town. I deliberately, I looked at a couple of houses in crazy town and I said, yeah, you know what? I want to live in crazy town. I want to live in Realityburg. So that's where I'm going to be. And that's not to tell you that I think you should be fired or you should be this or you should be that. I will tell you that I probably wouldn't hire you, though. But that's just based on my natural proclivity to advise against hiring anybody who it would be a lawsuit to fire. Right? That's just, I think, good policy. So you do you, you be you, whatever. But I am not going to help nail you to the cross. I will not cheer, cheer you nailing yourself to the cross. And I will not participate in the delusions that you have set up for yourselves so that you can maintain a firm, tight grip on the perverted belief which I don't think you actually believe, 
that you are somehow oppressed. Because victimhood is now a desired status for the left. Victimhood is Bitcoin. And people are scrambling to claim as much of it as possible. We need to mine all the victimhood we can possibly get our hands on. Used to be you'd look at somebody who's sitting around going, woe is me, and you go, this is uh, it's sad. You really need to get the hell up. Dust yourself off. Come on, let's go. I'll help you stand up. But you're going to have to dust yourself off. You're going to have to get moved. Let's go. And they would get up and go. Now it is, woe is me, and woe is you. Woe is me. Woe is us. How about woe is us? Let's have a woe off. Let's see who can get more. And then we're all, we're all successful because we're all victims. We're so oppressed. I've never seen anything like it in all of human history. Has there been a time where any society has even tried? I can't say that this is the pathway to a destruction of a society because no society's ever been dumb enough to do something like this. So I don't know that it's ever been done and led to the fall of various societies because none have been as out of problems as we are. And make no mistake, that's really what's at play here. We are out of problems. The real problems in life don't exist anymore. We've conquered most of the real, not all of them. Still have disease and whatever. We've beaten a lot of diseases. At a minimum, you're never going to beat death, so you're not going to beat a disease 100%. Something's going to get you. But people who normally like, well, this is a death. Let's just look at AIDS. It's not that long. It wasn't Tony Fauci and his AIDS vaccine, which, you know, you never put a guy whose biggest claim to fame is failure in charge of your pandemic. But it was treatment. AIDS was a death sentence in the 80s. It was a death. You've got AIDS, so get your affairs in order. Now you turn on the TV and you're like, I got AIDS. There's commercials. I got AIDS, but I'm not letting that slow me down. I'm still out there going to key parties and swinging and whatever. I just take this one thing once a month and you can't tell that I have AIDS. And the political party, one political party is saying, you know what? We need to decriminalize spreading AIDS. Go ahead, people with AIDS. Have sex with people with unprotected sex and don't tell them. Don't tell them you have AIDS. Don't let them make an informed decision. Don't be a slave. To... And you go, huh, things have changed. Well, we're out of that problem, largely. We're out of a lot of problems. Well, problems are a hell of a political motivator. You can't solve something that doesn't exist. So we have to create problems. It really is important to know and recognize that victimhood is an aspired to status on the left and we're really out of problems. So it makes it more difficult for them to get that. So they have to create new and creative ways to come up with something to be offended by. And it, it doesn't really work on most people. Which is why, you know, like the cries of racism. Oh, no, racist, racist, racist. It doesn't, it's not really sitting there going, oh, my God, this horribly racist. What happened? What happened? I didn't get a job. Okay. Uh, but, I mean, like, where's the racism? I didn't get a job. I didn't do this. I didn't. Okay. I don't get it. Moving on. People stop me. And this is not normal people. This is, you know, Al Sharpton's of the world who have monetized it. Al had to find, Al had to get legitimate work at MSNBC. 
in order to maintain his lifestyle. Look, his wife was very tolerant of a struggling young Al trying to shake down his way to success, but his girlfriend's very different situation. Very different situation. As every man of the cloth knows, trying to maintain a wife and a couple of girlfriends is very difficult. I don't know that he did that. I just know that he left his wife. So, you know, as every man of the cloth does, eventually. Uh, but just to mock this, since Saturday, there was a time Saturday Night Live was funny. It's a shame that Saturday Night Live isn't funny. When I know everybody always says, oh, when I was younger, Saturday Night Live was the best. It was, And now it sucks. Now it's just objectively not funny. They have occasional skits where you're like, that's not bad, that's clever. But it is so afraid to be offensive. And a lot of comedy is is it's picking scabs. It's pointing out things that are uncomfortable and making fun of it. In a weird way, it makes people comfortable with it. But you can't have that. You need people to be divisive. Comedy tends to, you know, the enjoyment of it tends to unite people too. And that is not acceptable to the woke crowd because people who don't obsess about their differences and demand special treatment for uh, they're harder to manipulate. It's tough. It's a tough, tough racket out there. So they create this world where you can't be funny. But thank God some people do have the guts to do it. I don't know if this is from a TV show or a sketch comedy troupe or just somebody in Australia decided they had enough of it. And I, I can't imagine, knowing what I know about Australia, that this is broadcast on television. Maybe it is. But it was something that's out there online that I think is absolutely hilarious because it truly does demonstrate how perverted the left has gotten and how sick they are. It's just it's a group of people. They're at a beach or at a boardwalk or something, and they want to get a, a selfie. They want to get well. They want to get a picture of the group, but they can't. There's too many of them. There's like eight of them. They can't reach far enough to get everybody in. So they ask the guy standing there, "Hey, would you mind taking a picture?" And that's the premise of it and it's mostly visual you can find it in my my twitter feed if you want to see it but you'll get the gist of it now that you have the setup God, um excuse me would you mind taking a photo of us yeah no problem thank you <laughs> okay everybody say cheese oh um actually i'm a vegan could you please have us say something else <laughs> okay everybody say tofu tofu is actually not as good for you as vegans think any crossfitter will tell you that it's bad for your testosterone levels okay i'm sorry how about we all just smile? Oh, if one more asks me to smile. Not really an I'm taking a photo for you, so. What's it to smile about anyway? Okay, would you like me to just count backwards from three? Oh, would you like dyslexic people to just not exist? My cousin has dyslexia, so offended. Adopted. Don't even know who my cousins are, so more offended. How about this? We all put a word we're comfortable with in our heads and I'll get the shot. No, it doesn't sound very inclusive, though, does it? I suppose you'd like us all to stand a few metres apart, would you, Stalin? Jesus Christ. Oh, I don't see what religion has to do with this. Well, I'm an atheist, so majorly triggered. Is that a comment on the gun debate? <laughs> Still trying to control people. But it's not just the people. Has anyone thought about the animals? Look, this is what we're going to do. Everybody throw up a peace sign and I'll take a photo. Wow. Cultural appropriation is alive and well. Why don't you just ask us to say Kung Fu? Guess what? New plan. Group selfie. Ready, set, go. Boom. And looks awesome. You're going to love it. 
just that's how the left. I imagine that's what it's like on a college campus. Hey, no, you're not addressing my pronoun. This is a math class. You didn't. This this problem is poorly written. This is insane. You sit there and you go, what rational human being would go for this crap? Who are these people this works on? Who is it? And then you see this clip. This is very disturbing. I don't... It's a Kentucky Democrat state senator named Karen Berg. It is uh, perfectly fitting that this person is named Karen Berg. And Karen Berg is... um, well, she's allegedly, this is according to her official bio, so I have no reason to doubt her. She is a physician and a professor. And you go, what in the hell? How has this person become a... Yeah, yeah. It is. She is a physician. She's a diagnostic radiologist. And she's been in the state Senate since 2018. You have to imagine that there was like a sweaty tube sock fresh from the gym, that was on the ballot against her. And she says, Berg's son, Henry Berg Brosseau, was a transgender rights advocate and worked as deputy press secretary for the politics of the Human Rights League. And 2015, at 16 years old, he testified against a bathroom bill in the Kentucky State Legislature. And then, sadly, he died of suicide at the age of 24 on December 16th, 2022. Didn't I just spend a lot of last week talking about how it might be counterproductive, damaging, as a matter of fact, to embrace mental illness rather than treat it? Didn't I? Well, yeah. Anyway, she is out there talking about minor attracted... This is very disturbing. Minor attracted persons. Now, for those of you playing the home game, a minor attracted person is a child molester. Right? was a child molester. Or at least a potential child molester. I suppose you're not technically one until you act on it. But... If you're out there, uh, I'm going to go ahead and call your child molester to uh, keep my kids away from you. She thinks that there are studies out there that show that rather than treating, because she uses the term minor attracted person rather than child molester, pervert, any of the other things, um, that if you give these people sex dolls, not just any, you know, like Lars and the Real Girl sex dolls, but close to that, but children, child sex, that you can save or stop or prevent a whole bunch of evil acts. It is sick. If you indulge people in their defect, their perversion, their what their criminal proclivities, you can then prevent them. Newsweek writes, uh, a Democratic state senator from Kentucky has suggested providing child sex dolls to pedophiles in a bid to reduce the chance of them abusing children. Now, what could go wrong, right? It could be, you know, people get these things, use these things, indulge in these things, and then it just makes their appetite even more. But she doesn't care. 
Speaking at the Kentucky General Assembly on Thursday, Karen, Senator Karen Berg said there was research success suggesting the dolls, quote, actually decrease their proclivity to go out and attack children, end quote. You know what else does? Putting them in prison. The remarks sparked an angry backlash on social media with one prominent commentator accusing Berg of sexualizing and defending pedophiles. Now, I have the audio of this person talking about it in the state assembly. It's very disturbing. It's, it's, what's amazing about this, and it, which is why if you really want to see it, you should go and find it online. You can find it on my Twitter. You can find it on Twitter if you just search Karen, uh, Karen Berg, B-E-R-G. Is the cutaways, if you can call it comedy under these circumstances, the cutaways, it's a congressional in, in the state of Kentucky hearing. The other members of the panel, they seem to just cut away to men and to a, to a man. They're all kind of got the, oh my God, look on their face. Most of them have their hands up to their face like, you've got to be kidding me. What the bleep is going? They all have that look. Even the Democrats, you're, they just have that look like, why am I in a party with someone like this? What the hell is going on? It's it's funny, except for the, the topic is deadly serious. But listen to this. This is a Democrat. This is the next step. If you don't, I, They've already taken it, clearly. But this is, you know, Kentucky now, today. Where will it be tomorrow? Someplace else. Probably someplace closer to home. I was completely unfamiliar with child sex dolls. I had, of course, to Google it last night. Um, I was a little scared to put it in my search engine, but I did. And um, apparently, there is research on the subject. Not much, not much. But uh, there are what they call MAPS, Minor Attracted Persons. And the limited amount of research that's done on these dolls, guys, suggests that they actually, for people who are attracted to minors, that these dolls actually decrease their proclivity to go out and attack children, that it actually gives them a release that makes them less likely to go outside of their home. And, and what was interesting is the research did not support the same conclusions for people who were adult-attracted using dolls. That did not diminish their proclivity to engage other people. But for those which, with the... So I'm just a little concerned that and, and, and like I say, the research is not very good. It is not comprehensive. But the research that is out there is conclusive. The research out there is conclusive. What we need to do is we need to identify a whole bunch of pervert, pedophile, child molesters and give them as realistic a doll as possible so that they can indulge their... no. No, we need to identify those people, and, and if they haven't done anything, um, make sure they never do. Like, serious, swear to God, how kind of a person does this? This will be great. No, it will no way and make them more voracious. 
Who doesn't, who would want the real thing after having the fake thing? Kind of a person does this? What kind of a person sits there and seriously, she's given this a lot of thought. She has given this an alarming amount of thought and an alarming amount of Googling to go through and say, all right, well, let's see what we find. It turns out the research shows what else did you look up online, you sicko? And why did this occur to you? Okay, Why did this occur to you? Maybe the reason it hasn't been studied is because even Stevie Wonder looks at it and says, this is a bad idea. I can see that this is a bad idea. I can see that this is a wildly bad idea. Let's not do it. But nope, there she is at a public hearing. And I swear to God, if you look at the cutaways, whoever's working the Kentucky State House version of uh, C-SPAN cameras, directing it, they deserve a local Emmy. Because to a person, they do like five or six cutaways in this video. To a person, they're all going, oh, my God. Oh, my God. The, uh, half of them or a good chunk of them have to be Democrats. And they're all just sitting there going, I can't believe. can't believe this person is in my party. I'm going to have to deal with this crap. I'm going to have to answer for this for the rest of the year. Just sick. <laughs> Strange. It's perfect. It, uh, I don't get it. I don't get it. But yeah, this is the Democratic Party. They're thinking about giving child sex dolls, realistic child sex dolls, to potential or known child molesters. How about your castrate? How about you just... Here's the easiest way to stop recidivism. And it works 100% of the time. Most things don't work 100% of the time. So you can get up to the high 90s. But this one works unambiguously 100% of the time. It's like Colt 45. It works every time. And that's executing them. Did you just? Yeah, I did. Uh, you're kind of irredeemable. I don't want you, you know, let's, let's uh, not let you share oxygen with normal people, with good people, if you're doing these sorts of things. And I promise you, the zero percent recidivism rate will continue among that group of people should they no longer be on this plane of existence. I think we just solved the problem. And think of all the money we saved from having to buy child sex dolls, not to mention the embarrassment of the Amazon driver delivering that thing, right? How do you, you don't leave that sitting on the porch for a while. You're going to have a lot of explaining to do to your neighbors there, Senator Berg. Or you could just, I don't know, resign in shame. But we don't live in a world where shame exists anymore. We don't. We live in a different world where shame doesn't exist. What is it? There's a story along these lines. Shame doesn't exist. Nothing exists. Reality doesn't exist. This is from uh, the UK Telegraph. The headline, Obesity now greater risk to global health than hunger, study finds. Remember, we're all starving to death. We're supposed to be in the midst of various famines, and, and, and we're not. Obesity is now a greater threat to global health than hunger, a new Lancet study has found. More than one in eight people in the world are clinically obese as the number passed one billion for the first time. It is now the leading form of malnutrition with the number of people considered underweight falling below 550 million. 
Being obese or underweight are forms of malnutrition because both cases people are not getting the right nutrients, vitamins, and types of calories that they need to be healthy. Now, what's interesting about this, it's unequivocally true. Unequivocally true. Nobody's, you don't see very many 90-year-olds who are like 500 pounds that need to get around via a forklift, right? But you can't say that. Well, it's weird. You can actually say that about the elderly. You can say that. You go to a nursing home and you walk through and you're not going to see a whole bunch of people who have difficulty breathing because they just walked up three steps. You're just not. Um, But if you say that about somebody in their 20s, it's a hate crime. It's intolerant. It's a problem. You can say it all you want about anybody, anybody, I'd say, I don't know, 70 and above. But 35 and below, if you say anything, no, 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 you're body shaming. Why are you doing, I'm beautiful at any size. I'm this, I'm that, I'm the other thing. You're like, okay, walk up a flight. Do, do 20 minutes of cardio. I dare you, you know, the Mr. Beast running around challenging people. If you last person in this circle uh, wins a million dollars, last person on a treadmill that is not inclined at all wins a million dollars and you just pick a certain group of people and the video would be about five minutes long. You kind of need to, is it good or is it bad? The proclivity of diabetes. Is that a good thing or is it a bad thing? Is it something you think is a positive? Dying of fatty liver or having a fatty liver at age 32. Is that something that's a good thing or a bad thing? Which would you say? Where would you fall in the spectrum of that one? You can't say it, though. It's your body shaming. We're beautiful at any size. And you see, it's the weirdest thing. Newsweek, Time, all these magazines, people will go, here's the latest fad diet. Here's how so-and-so dropped the weight. Here's how Adele dropped the weight. Oh, my goodness, look at Adele. She looks great now. Uh, Rebel Wilson, whatever it is, they took off the baby weight. And the next page, we have a profile of a plus-size model. The photograph is taken from an 18-foot stepladder because it's the only way we could get her all the way in frame. She is really rocking the fortified runways of Paris right now. She was No, she wasn't. She was a gimmick. She was a gimmick. At a run, how many of these fashion models that you see where you're like, they, they go, oh, we've hired a plus-size model. Like, oh, golf clap, everybody, you've hired a plus-size model. It's wonderful. It's wonderful. Look at how inclusive. And here's a three-page photo spread in a magazine nobody sees or reads. Congratulations. And then what? Where do they go? They don't go anywhere. They're used for PR purposes, so they get work occasionally, but that's it. But they're never just there. We've got the first plus-size model on the cover of the Sports Illustrated Swimsuit Edition. Okay, great. What's her next move? She's the first plus-size model to do... Okay, she's the Neil Armstrong of plus-size models. What does it mean? Are other plus-size models making a living at it? Is the trend in modeling going to the plus-size, or is it something more along the lines of you've got this one gimmick, this one person, this one shtick, And that's what you're rolling with because it gets you a write-up in Us Weekly. Which is it? 
We all know the answer. We can't admit the answer. We can't acknowledge the answer. We all know the answer. It's not particularly like the first first trans model on the cover of Sports Illustrated. Okay, then they're hired because of that. But they're not the norm. They're hired because they get free publicity for a thing. If you're willing to be a sideshow, I guess that's fine for you. But you're looking at your life expectancy cutting down significantly. If you need a rascal scooter by the age of 40, probably not a good career move no matter how much money you make. Just saying, just throwing it out there. Since we've been talking about the obese, I do have a clip from Jerry Nadler. I, it's so mean. You haven't lived until you've seen Jerry Nadler eat Chinese food, which I, when I was at the Heritage Foundation, I had the misfortune of seeing a couple of times. He just sits there in a booth. Just the sounds, all right? The sounds. Let's just leave it at that, the sounds. Anyway... There have, there's been a lot of talk about the border. Suddenly, Democrats are waking up and caring about the border. And I'm not spending a lot of time on that right now because it's bogus, right? Everybody knows this is for show. They look at the calendar. If you lived in, there are a lot of Democrats in the Senate who are from states where you go, they should not. It should be a Republican. It shouldn't be a Democrat. Joe Manchin is one of them. Every, every, five years, well, every sixth year, they become a proud member of the vast right-wing conspiracy. Montana, John Tester, boy, howdy, he stands up for traditional values when he's up for re-election. The other five years, he's, uh, he's right there with the Democrat. You wouldn't know the difference between somebody from Montana, the senator from Montana, and the senator from New York. You go, oh, that... That's weird how that works out. He's Elizabeth Warren with a flat top. Until it comes time for him to come up for re-election. And then he's like, you know what? Montana values this. Montana values that. Whenever you hear anybody talk like that, you're being lied to. Okay, let's just be honest about it. And you, you need to be aware of it. Stop falling for it. From Republicans, too. Because you demand better. Okay? Demand better. And we're not going to get better until we demand it because they're sure as hell not going to voluntarily give it. So now they're all going, oh, we need to get this border secure. Three years of the, there is no problem. We don't care. Block Four years before that of blocking every measure to secure the border, suing every time the administration of Donald Trump took executive out of, whatever it was, they were a guy for it, I'm against it. And now suddenly the writing on the wall and the murder of Lake and Riley and the murder of a two-year-old here and a molestation of a 14-year-old. And all of a sudden they go, <laughs> we definitely need to uh, secure the border and we need more of this and more of that and more of other thing. But what you hear Jerry Nadler talk about here is not going to solve the problem. He wants more. See, the solution for Democrats, the real solution is kick them the hell out of the country, Right. Kick them the hell out of the country. They have no right to be here. They have no. They're all of every single asylum claim is bogus because in order to claim, unless they're from Mexico, then you got to hear them out by international law. Uh, but unless they seek refuge in the, they need to seek refuge by law in the first safe country they come to. Unless they're from Mexico, that's not the United States. Maybe some Canadians too. That's not the United States. They don't care. They're going to use it. And they said, well, we need more judges so we can adjudicate whether or not these people's claims of 
What? Oppression? Where's the war in South America? Where's the oppression? Where the It doesn't exist. What are they fleeing? Where are the death squads? They don't exist. But they can get a judge. They can, of course, and Democrats will appoint the judges. They fill up a whole bunch of immigration judges, which will come from the ranks of immigration attorneys who are currently on the payroll of non-governmental organizations that are defending these people in court. And they'll all say, oh, yeah, you're oppressed. You can stay. You can stay. Absolutely stay. Please stay. They want to institutionalize and legitimize these people in this country as quickly as possible. And adjudicating them in court cases heard by left-wing activists is the fastest way to do that. So listen to good old Jerry basically suddenly care and say that without actually saying that. All the demagoguery we've heard from our Republican uh, uh, colleagues saying that this country is threatened by a great crime wave because of illegal immigrants is pure hogwash. The fact is that this country is faced with something that we cannot tolerate, namely gross, uh, uh, many people illegally crossing our borders, and we have to deal with that. But how do you deal with that if you don't have, and the Republicans talk about catch and release, someone is caught by the Border Patrol and is given a Claims political asylum, is entitled to an adjudication of that political asylum. Claims political asylum, is given a trial date five years from now and released into the country. That's terrible. It is terrible. But why isn't that trial date three weeks from now instead of five years from now? Because we don't have enough immigration judges. We don't have enough asylum officers. The president has asked for funds to increase the number of Border Patrol people, to increase the number of asylum judges, to increase the number of immigration judges, so that these cases can be adjudicated quickly and you don't have what the Republicans call catch and release. He's very concerned. They don't have a right to be here in the first place. Their claims on their face are bogus. You could simply declare that to be, and that would clear the backlog at all, or institute remain. There are many, many things Democrats could do, but they recognize that the sooner they get them in here, the sooner they get them in front of a liberal immigration judge who says, oh, wow, you do fear for your life, totally legitimate claim, the less likely it is we'll ever get rid of these people. They're evil, not dumb. Anyway, that's enough for today. This and uh, let's get on with Monday. Monday, March, lousy, smart weather. It's actually quite lovely here today. Hopefully, you're getting some good weather. It's supposed to be like in the 60s. So party, hearty, and all that good stuff. And I will uh, announce the winner of the book tomorrow, the Schlichter book, I think. And so that means I've got to come up with something else to give away. Anyway, check it out, patreon.com slash Podcast or derekhunter.locals.com. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow.